So we all know what it's like to wait on God, to wait on God to provide, to wait on God to heal, to wait on God to give an answer, to show up in a way that we're asking him to. Waiting seems to be a regular part of a relationship with God. And so today we're going to wrap up our Win God series by asking the question, what do you do when you're waiting on God? What do we do in those moments when we've asked God to show up and he's not showing up on our time schedule? We would say, God is too late. He's not here when we need him to be here. So what do we do in those moments when we are waiting? If you've been with us so far in this series, you have already learned that this is not one of our feel-good series. This isn't one of our feel-good messages where you're going to walk out of here today saying, you know, I feel so much better about my current situation. And like I've said throughout this series, again today I'll say, you may get to the end of today's message and you may say, is that it? Is that what I'm really supposed to do? Is that what God is really doing behind the scenes? Is that the truth I'm really supposed to anchor myself to? See, the the series that we're in right now is kind of like a graduate level course in faith. It requires that we dig deeper in our relationship with God and anchor ourselves to some truths that can hold us in those moments when God isn't cooperating, when God is showing up way too late. Because if, if you've lived long enough, you understand that God doesn't always do what we ask him to. God doesn't always show up when we want him to. So we are going to dive into the book of John today, John chapter 11, and we're going to allow this story that we're going to look out to just unfold for us and teach us what we need to do in those moments of waiting. So if you have a Bible, turn over to John chapter 11. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section. Grab one of those, our free gift to you. If you have a Bible app on your phone, bring that up. If you don't have any of those, then we're going to bring up the the verses on the screen as well. I I strongly encourage you to be able to find uh, the passages we're looking at each week. So seeing them on the screen is one thing, but being able to go home and read them is another thing. So I want you to be able to find those when you go home and you can uh, stay fresh on what God is speaking to you today through this passage. Now, John chapter 11 records the story of God not showing up for some people who desperately need him to show up. So God's not going to show up in the way that they need him, in the way that they are really hoping that he will show up. And there's lots of applications for us in this story today. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about those three. Obviously, two sisters and a brother. And they have a very close relationship with Jesus. They are very tight. As you read through the Gospels, the first four books in the New Testament part of the Bible, you'll see them in several of the Bible stories. And they have a great relationship with Jesus. In fact, Lazarus was known as the one Jesus loved. So imagine having that title. Imagine being able to have that claim. Somebody meets you, who are you? I'm Lazarus. Oh yeah, you're the one that Jesus loved. So if you've ever seen this bumper sticker, Jesus loves me, 
Like Lazarus came up with that tagline, and I think he trademarked it and everything. I still, I think he's still making money off of that. So Lazarus was the guy that Jesus loved, and people knew that about him. Now Lazarus wasn't just sick in this story. That verse says he was sick, but it was beyond that. He was on his deathbed. So this was the moment when the doctor said to his sisters, "There's nothing more that we can do. We've done everything we can." God is your only hope in this moment. So call in family, call in friends, have them say their goodbyes. Maybe you've been in a situation like that. So Jesus really is their only hope in this moment. Now, Jesus and his disciples, they were about a day and a half's walk away from Bethany in that moment. So Mary and Martha, they had to send a message to Jesus and tell him Lazarus is sick. So we see that in verse three. In verse three, they send a message to Jesus, Lord, your dear friend, another translation says, the one you love, and he would have known who that meant, the one you love is very sick. And then in verse four, Jesus gives a very interesting response. It says, when he heard about this, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. Now, think for a moment about Jesus' answer, how he responded there. So he said, this sickness happened for God's glory. That messes with some of our theology, of when we get sick and what we think about sickness. And, and I think, how in the world could sickness ever come out for God's glory? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. And I'm sure Jesus' disciples were in the same boat. They were, they were confused. They didn't understand what he was saying as they're listening to him. And then Jesus followed up and it said this. Verse five. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, I want you to find yourself in this story. I want us this morning to feel like we're there. We're, we're one of the friends. We're one of the disciples. Maybe Mary, maybe Martha in that moment. And can you imagine how confused they would have felt? Can you imagine how hurt they would have felt. I mean, there was a certain amount of reassurance that they felt when they sent for Jesus. I mean, this is the guy who's healed people and and he is their last hope. They send the messenger off, go get Jesus. And I'm sure in that moment, they felt a little bit of security. It's going to be okay. We're going to get Jesus. Jesus is going to show up Lazarus, everything's going to be okay. Remember, he loves you. He'll be here. He'll show up. He'll provide. He'll heal you in this moment. Why wouldn't he? He loves you. And imagine what they felt like when the messenger came back. Oh, good. Where's Jesus? He didn't come. What do you mean he didn't come? Did you tell him that Lazarus is sick? Yeah, I told him. Well, where is he? He didn't come. What do you mean he didn't come? Did you tell him that he's on his deathbed? I mean, this is it. This is the hour. This is the moment. We need him here. Did you tell him that? I told him. Well, where is he? He didn't come. What do you mean he didn't come? I don't know. He didn't come. He stayed where he was. Can you imagine how confused they were and how hurt they must have felt in that moment? Now, I think that a lot of us can identify with that. I'm sure 
You've sent some messages to God asking for him to show up. You've sent some messages through prayer, asking God to show up and heal, asking God to show up and provide, asking God to show up and give an answer in this desperate moment. You know, even people who say, you know, I don't believe in God at all, I don't think he really exists. In moments of struggle and crisis, even people who say God doesn't exist find themselves praying to a God they don't believe in. God, if you're real, would you show up? God, would you do something miraculous in this moment for me? And, and maybe you've prayed. Maybe you thought, if God wants me to attend church, maybe I should show up at church a little bit more. Maybe I need to, to serve more. Maybe I need to get active in a small group. Maybe I need to start giving. You'll do whatever it takes in order to get God's attention for God to show up when you're asking him to show up. And maybe God hasn't. Maybe God hasn't healed Maybe God hasn't provided. Maybe God hasn't restored yet. Maybe God hasn't done what you've wanted him to do. And in those moments, it's easy for us to start thinking, well, maybe I'm not so loved by the creator. Maybe that's what Mary and Martha were thinking in that moment. Maybe Lazarus wasn't really as loved as he thought he was. Maybe we didn't have as close of a relationship with Jesus as we thought It's easy for us to conclude that in those moments when God's not showing up when we want him to. We can also be tempted to believe that maybe God is upset at us, that maybe God is punishing us in some way. Maybe we did something wrong. And so God is punishing us, disciplining us. And and so we think either we're just not loved by him or we did something wrong that he's trying to correct in our lives. Verse seven It says, finally, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Bethany was in the region of Judea, and so Jesus said, all right, let's go. It's been a couple of days. Let's go back in that direction. Verse eight, but the disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? So the disciples don't want to go back in this direction. And the stoning that we're talking about is not our modern day, hey, let's go hang out and get stoned together. This is, I mean, imagine, and it still happens around the world, imagine people who are so angry at you that they want you dead in that moment. So there's a group, you do something in, in, in the group, and the group says, you need to die for this. So they pick up rocks, and they throw these rocks at you until you are dead, Not a pleasant way to die. So Jesus' disciples are basically saying, Jesus, here's the deal. Like we were there not long ago and they were trying to stone you to death. And guess what? Like when we're around you, sometimes they want to stone us. Like they throw rocks at you and sometimes they miss you and hit us. Like it's not cool. Like we we don't really want to go back in that direction. So in verse 9, Jesus replied to that and he said, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Now, if you've ever read the Bible and thought, what just happened? Like, did Jesus just take a detour in conversation? Did he just jump ship and get into something else? Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like here in this moment. I'm sure Jesus' disciples are going, what? Like, we're just talking about being stoned, and then you go into this daytime, nighttime lesson. Like, what in the world is going on? 
So basically, Jesus tells them, listen, we only have a certain amount of time to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. So he gives the illustration. During daylight hours, we can get more done. When night comes, we can't get as much done. So we've got to take advantage of every opportunity that we are given. Now, Imagine if you were there listening to Jesus and watching this all unfold, watching him wait several days and then watching him um, say, hey, it's time to go. We don't want to miss this opportunity. I would be thinking, Jesus, you missed it. Like you had the opportunity several days ago. Lazarus needed you several days ago. He, He may not need you as much now, like you missed it. Now, they didn't say anything, but I'm thinking there's a few of them that might have been thinking that. In verse 11, then Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And then Jesus says probably one of the most insensitive things that we could ever imagine coming out of the creator's mouth. He said, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. So again, imagine if you were there. Imagine if you were standing there as one of his disciples in that moment, listening to those words come out of Jesus' mouth. And and you might be thinking, what in the world? Like you knew Lazarus was gonna die. Yes, You knew that his family was going to have to go through the agony of burying him. Yes. You knew that that they were going to have to go through all that pain, and you're glad about it. I'm not glad about their pain, but I'm glad about what's going to come out of their pain. So Jesus, what in the world could be so important that you would allow that family that you would allow Lazarus to go through all that pain and agony, that you would allow the rest of his family and that community to go through all that heartache, what would be so important to you that you would say, listen, I'm glad I wasn't there? Verse 15 continues. Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. And again, imagine if you were sitting there in that moment. And my mind probably would be scrambling with, like, wait a minute, Jesus, are you saying you will let someone die so that someone else might believe in you? I think Jesus would say yes. You would let people go through the agony of burying a loved one just so someone might believe in you. I think Jesus would say yes. In that moment, Jesus created a new category for those of us who want a deeper relationship with him. He said, listen, I'm willing to let you go through some painful experiences in life if that means more people will believe. That's a whole new level of Christianity that most of us don't really want anything to do with. We want God to perform miracles in our lives. We want God to show up and and perform the miraculous and raise the dead and do things that people go, wow, look at that, God is real. We don't want God to allow us to walk through painful experiences to have those same results. I don't want that in my own life. I don't know too many people that do. So Jesus' disciples, they're totally confused. 
They're scratching their heads trying to figure out what does he mean by all this? I mean, we don't understand it. He gets into this daytime, nighttime thing, and then you know they, they say he, he's needed, he doesn't show up, and, and then he's talking about this belief thing, like belief is more important than healing somebody and, and life and death and all that. We don't get it. And so they're confused walking towards Bethany to see Mary and Martha. So when they get there, Martha ran out to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed home. Why do you think Mary stayed home? She was mad. She's probably hurt. She's confused. She's probably thinking, what's the use? He's, he, he didn't show up when I needed him to. We needed him two days ago. Don't really need him that much right now. Um, where was he? in that moment when, when we were in, in a desperate place. And sometimes I think we can feel that way. Sometimes we feel exactly the way that, that Mary felt in that moment. You know, sometimes God shows up in a way that we don't want him to show up or in a time frame that we don't want him to show up in, and we're not all that excited about his arrival. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, and see if this doesn't sound familiar. See if you can't identify with what she's about to say or the content of what she's saying. Lord, if only, if only you had been here, my brother would, have, would not have died. I, I think we all can identify with Martha in that moment. I think we've all had those if only conversations with God. I, I know I have. I know that I have said, God, if only you would have healed my dad, he would still be here today. Maybe you've said, if only you would heal this sickness, I wouldn't be in so much pain. If only you'd have gotten me that job, my house wouldn't be in foreclosure. If only you would have brought my wayward child home, they wouldn't be where they are right now. Or I think we've all said this, God, if only you would have kept me from making that stupid decision, I wouldn't be living with the consequences of it today. God, if only... I think we all have, if only, conversations that, that we have with God on somewhat of a consistent basis. In verse 23, Jesus told Martha, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha thinks in this moment that this is one of those nice Christian things that you're supposed to say when somebody's grieving. You know, I mean, you've just lost someone dear to you, and you are in the pain of that. I mean, you know there's hope beyond. You know that, that you know, they're, if they're a believer, that they're in a better place. But you're grieving. You're hurting. And someone comes up and says, you know, cheer up. At least you'll see them again. They're in a better place. Now, theologically, that's correct. In the moment, that feels like pain. It feels like an extra burden of pain added to you because you're feeling the loss. They're not here in this moment. You know you're going to see them again if they were believers, but you're struggling in that moment. So that's what Martha feels like. And so she says in verse 24, yeah, I know. Like he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I'll see him again. Nice thing to say. Doesn't feel real good in this moment. And then Jesus says, listen, Martha, you don't get it. Like, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, here comes that belief thing again. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then Jesus asks Martha a question that I think that he's still asking us today. He says, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe 
that belief in me is more important than anything else in the world? Do you believe it's more important than me performing a miracle in your life? Do you believe it's more important than me healing your brother? Do you believe it's more important than me showing up on your time schedule? Do you believe that, Martha? Martha replied, yes, Lord, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And that's the kind of belief that Jesus was looking for from her. That's the kind of answer that he was searching for in her heart. He drew her back to the foundation of faith, that belief in Jesus is the most important thing in the entire world. And then Jesus asked Martha, will you go get Mary? She goes and gets Mary. Mary comes back and she has her own question the same question that Martha had. And she said, Lord, if only you'd been here. If only my brother would not have died. Then verse 35 is recorded as the shortest verse in the Bible. So if you're struggling with memorizing Bible verses, here's the one for you, okay? This is the one that you can memorize today and say, listen, I'm memorizing scripture, all right? So this would be a great one for you to, to remember, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He watched their pain. He watched the sorrow in that community. And he wept. And there are many different theological uh, rabbit trails that we could run down with that one. We could have some great doctrinal conversations about that. Why did Jesus die? Did he die because of their their pain? Did he join them or did he he, uh, weep because of their pain? Did he join them in that moment because they were in such grief? Did he weep because of the pain that was represented for all of humanity and the curse that we had brought onto the world? Why did Jesus really cry in that moment that has been debated for a long time? It may be um, some of the reasons that we've listed may be more, but the reality was in this moment, Jesus cried. He felt deep sorrow for what was going on in this situation. The Bible teaches that that God joins us in our pain. In Psalms 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So where is God when you're in your painful moment? Like, is he off somewhere ignoring you? No, he's not. He is right there. He's right there with you. He's bringing comfort. He's bringing peace. He's joining you in that moment. And I don't understand all the theological ramifications of that. I don't understand all of what that really means. But in that moment, even when God isn't showing up the way that you want him to show up, God is there with you, feeling your pain, identifying with you. And Jesus, in that moment, he wept and he cried. And so he They take him to the tomb and and Jesus says, listen, roll the stone away. Get that out of here. Martha says like, whoa, Lord, hold on. Like he's been in there four days. He's gonna stink. Like it's gonna be bad. Like we shouldn't do that. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you 
sent me. Jesus goes back to the most important thing on planet earth, that people, that we will believe that he was sent by God the Father. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus had to follow that up by telling people around him, like, go set him free before he suffocates again. So like, they're standing there going, what just happened? There's a mummy standing in front of us. We're not sure we want to go towards him. And Jesus goes, like, go like, set him free. Like, he's alive again. And then verse 45 It says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. So I bet they did. (laughs) Imagine, like, we're all standing there in the cemetery with Jesus, and and that happens. Like, I'm a believer in that moment. Like, whoa, are you kidding? So many people became believers in Jesus and who he really was in that moment. The thing that Jesus wanted to happen happened happened. More people believed that he was who he said he was. More people believed he was the Messiah, God in the flesh, the one who's come to take away the sin of the world. Again, you see, belief in Jesus is the most important thing in planet Earth. The most important thing. It trumps everything else in the world. Any miraculous thing that God could do for us, it trumps that. It's the most important thing, and here's why. The Bible says everyone will live forever somewhere. We will either live forever with God or we will live forever apart from God. We'll either live forever in this real place called heaven or we'll live forever in a real place called hell, a place that God did not create for humanity. That's why he sent Jesus to die so we would never go there. But we decide where we're going to live forever. And it's centered around belief in Jesus. We decide, based upon our belief in Jesus, whether we will spend eternity with God or an eternity apart from him. So God will do anything. God will allow anything if it will help more people spend eternity with him. So if allowing someone to die will cause more people to believe in him. Again, the most important thing in the entire world, God will allow that. If raising someone from the dead will cause more people to believe in God, then God will do that. See, God cares so much about where we spend eternity. He's willing to do anything. He's willing to allow anything if we will just believe in him. So maybe... God isn't showing up the way that you want because he's creating an opportunity for more people to believe. Maybe he's creating an opportunity where more people's eyes will be open to the reality of who Jesus really is. So maybe God's allowing that difficult situation in your life so that one day he can take it away. So maybe you're walking through a difficult moment and one day God is going to miraculously, supernaturally take that thing away so that people can say, listen, I saw you in the midst of that and now I see you in a different place. Wow, something happened. What happened? You can say it was God. God showed up in a miraculous way, kind of like raising Lazarus from the dead. Or maybe God just might leave you in that spot leave you in that difficulty like we've looked at in this entire series. 
He might leave you in that spot, wrestling with that thing, carrying that thorn in the flesh like we looked at last week with you so that more people will believe because of how you walk through that. That when you walk through that, you give recognition to God and his power in your life and you are actually becoming a different person. You're becoming more like Jesus because of what you're going through. That they look at you and go, wow, I don't know how you would go through that. And you can say, the only way I can make it is my relationship with God. So it's the only way that it's possible. And just maybe they will believe in God because of what they see in you. So I'm not sure what God's doing in your situation. I'm not sure if God's going to miraculously take you out of that situation that you may be in or, or he may leave you in that situation. But regardless of that, will you be the kind of person that allows God to work regardless? Will you be the kind of person that says, this situation that I'm in, I'm going to allow myself to be a person that brings attention to God and God alone and whatever he wants to do in this situation? Will you trust that he is doing something good in you and around you, even if he chooses not to answer your request the way that you want him to? Will you trust him if he chooses to leave you in that difficulty? Will you walk through your difficulty in a way that more people will believe in him because of you? It's the most important thing that could ever happen on planet Earth for them. Most important thing. They believe in Jesus. Listen to Isaiah 40. 31, it gives us some great encouragement on this waiting. So like when we're in those waiting moments, Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. So this is that deeper faith stuff. This is that stuff that we go, how in the world am I gonna grow in my faith in the midst of this? And God says, as you are waiting, There are some things that happen only in those waiting moments. There's a development in your relationship with God that can only happen as you wait on God to show up in his perfect time frame. So in that moment when we're waiting, what will your waiting be like? What will you do in that moment of waiting? Will you trust God more or will you trust God less? Will you lean into him or will you lean away from him? in those moments when we are waiting. I'm gonna close us out today by asking the same question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and have you put your faith and trust in him? It's the most important decision you could ever make in your life. It's more important than God showing up on your time frame to do whatever you're asking him to do. It's way more important. Do you believe that God might perform a miracle in your life so other people can see his power? Do you believe that people coming to know Jesus is more important than God taking you out of your difficulty? Do you believe that as you wait, God can give you the strength that can only come from him? So when we're in those moments of waiting and God isn't showing up on our time frame. The reality is God is always working on his time frame. His time frame is always perfect. And the, the correct answer is God is never late. Seldom early, never late. 
He's always on his time frame. He's always working out a good plan for your life. And will you trust him in those moments, even when we don't understand what God is doing? So when we're in those moments of waiting and and confusion and opportunity for faith to be developed and more people to come to know Jesus, will you trust in who God is above what God is doing in your current situation? Let's pray together. Lord, another one of those messages where we have to anchor ourselves to your incredible truth. Lord, there are moments that you show up and raise the dead. There are moments that you do the miraculous in our lives. And yet, Lord, there are other moments that you've got something else you're doing and it's bigger and it's better and we can't grasp it. We can't even begin to understand it. And Lord, in our situation, when we're looking at our calendar, we're looking at our clocks, it feels like you're late. And yet, God, you're never late. You're always right on time. And you're always working your good plan, your best plan for our lives and the people around us. So Lord, I pray that we would anchor ourselves to that truth. Lord, when we feel like you're not showing up when we need you to, that we would anchor ourselves and we would learn to wait on you and the benefits of waiting on you and how much they far outweigh anything that could happen without you. Lord, develop our faith as we wait for you to do what only you can do and help us, Lord, to trust in who you are, regardless of what is happening in a specific time frame in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I like being able to watch the videos after service. It gives me time to be able to reflect on it. And I know some of us may be able to uh, really connect with the people in the videos. Some may, be, uh, may not be able to, but there's a lot of truth that comes out of them, a lot of reflection that we can have. Um, you know, God wants us to be patient. He wants us to trust in him. And a lot of times when we're down, we, we don't always want to do that. And uh, he wants us to believe that he's put people around us that we can lean upon to make us strong. And it may not be on our timeline, but we need to believe that it is on God's timeline. My name's Cody Anderson, and I am the, I'm the uh, leader of our student ministry surge here at Epic. And I have a few announcements before we let you guys leave for, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, 3G Saturday is upon us. I know you've heard us talking about it recently, but there are six different opportunities that you'll be able to join with us to bring hope to the community. We have opportunities from first grade up to adult. We have things like Habitat for Humanity. Um, We have volunteering at Grace Food Pantry. We have um, our beach cleanup. And for our surge students out there, if you're in middle and high school, we're going to be doing the Vern Vern Park Beach Cleanup. So definitely sign up for that. If you want information on it, you could jump online at theepicchurch.com. You can sign up on there. And the deadline for that is going to be March 30th. Now, if you would like one of these 3G t-shirts that I'm wearing, um, it is $10. You can stop back at the corner at the booth back there with the t-shirts. This week is the last week to be able to order them. So it's $10, and you'll be able to get it for April 5th if you order them today. Today's the last day for that. Now, if you call Epic your home and you would like to partner with what we're doing here and in the community, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the giving boxes right behind you. Now, have you ever run away from God or possibly been tempted to run away from God? 
Did you ever regret that moment that you did, or maybe even years later afterwards that you ran away from God? You know, often we run away and we think that God is a God that wants to pay us back instead of bring us back. We don't always believe that God is a God of second chances, but he really wants to know that he loves everybody, even runners, people that run away. And we're going to be diving into a new study. It's a three-part series coming up starting next week to where we get to learn about one of the most world's famous runners, Jonah. So you definitely don't want to miss that as we break into our new series. Now, if you're new here at Epic and this is your first time, we're so happy you're here. We ask that you stop by the Connection Center on your way out. We'd just like to personally meet you and give you a little information about what Epic's all about. And also, on your way out, if you see our worship leader, Epi- or, uh, Evan Shows, today is his birthday. So definitely say happy birthday. He's 33 years young. We really appreciate everything we do. Definitely say hi to him, say happy birthday, and tell him how great it is to get older. It's a wonderful thing. So um, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you for coming out, and we'll see you next week.